Great. Well, today we're starting our new series, our summer series, um, and the series is I Am. I Am. So, um, as you probably are aware, there's, um, Jesus makes a number of, I, of statements in the Bible um, where he starts, starts to set the, his, the statement, I Am, and then he tells us something about himself. Did that, I did, um, oh good, we've got my PowerPoint working, fantastic. Do you want to go to the next one? So, I introduce myself today, my name is Dr. Stephen Wicking. So, I, I'm not a medical doctor, so if you do have any ailments, please don't come and talk to me. But, um, a few years ago, I cut my thumb open doing some DIY, it was a really stupid thing to do. I phoned up a friend of mine who is a doctor, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to need stitches. He came over, he had a look, he said, yes, you need stitches. And it just so happened that he was working at the hospital that night. So he said, I'll give you a lift in. So we got into his car. He took me into A&E. He knows all the A&E people because he goes out on the, you know, in the cars at night um, with the ambulance drivers and stuff. So he said, he said hello to the people he knew and um, handed me over to them. He went off to work um, in, in surgery and left me there. And um, the nurse that, 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 that was there, she said, OK, take a seat. No sooner had I sat down, they called me, they called my name. I st- yeah, what's all this about the NHS? I'm in trouble. As soon as I sat down, they called me out. I was met by another nurse. She took me to the x-ray in person. I did the x-ray. She brought me back. The doctor was there to meet me. And the doctor said, come round, come round. So he took me round the other side of the desk. Came round the desk. He was show- Here's your x-ray, on the, x-ray on, the, on the computer screen. He said, as you can see, there's no damage to such and such tendon. There's no damage here. The muscle... Look, da, da, da. I said, hmm, yeah, I can, I can see, yeah... I suppose. And he's like, okay. And then um, they said, right, go and sit over there in this little waiting room. So I sat down and the people there, there was, there was a guy being stabbed in the hand in a pub fight. There was a lady who had cut her hand washing up and they were saying, oh, we've been here for hours. We've been here for hours. And I was like, oh, I've only, I've been here like 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Better keep quiet. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and then suddenly I get called out again. I was like, I felt, so, I felt really embarrassed. I followed the nurse. Um, and there was this, and they took me to a desk, and there was a, um, another doctor there. The consultant was there. And he was saying to the nurse behind the desk, saying, why? he's looking at my notes. He's saying, why have I been called down to do this stitching? Why, why have you called me down for this? And um, she looked at me, and she said, well, he's medical staff. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so anyway... He takes me into a little room. He's stitching up my thumb. And he said, so, um, yeah, so where do you work? What do you do? I said, I work for a housing association. (laughs) And he looked at me. He's like, okay. He was very polite. He finished me off. I went outside, waiting for a a lift home. The guy whose wife had cut her hand, he was sat there saying, we haven't been seen yet. Can you believe this? Isn't this terrible? And I was like, ah. Just then a car pulls up. And I was like, bye. Get into the car and drive off. I felt really bad, but also slightly happy. But, you know. (laughs) I know I shouldn't admit that. So... But, so, you know, I'm not a real doctor. And um, my, my point is this. Actually, you know, there are things that people will say about you or, you know, but actually the truth is, what do you say about yourself? You know yourself. I knew I wasn't a doctor. Everyone else just assumed that I was. So um, I, I, we're going to look at the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to look over this series about what Jesus says about himself. You know, there are lots of people who have got lots of opinions about who Jesus is, aren't there? You know, Jesus is probably um, the one person who, well, not probably, he is the one person who has had the greatest impact on this world, on its history of all time. I searched for Jesus in Amazon, you know, on Amazon to see what came up. And there was 50,000 results. And that was just in books. 50,000 results. Um, some of them were theological, looked good. Some of them were like biographical. 
Some of them were about his personality. Some of them seemed quite um, heretical. Come to the next slide. One of them was this. Dancing with Jesus. And this is a serious book. It takes a Bible verse, and then you know, there's one called Walking on Water, and you put your legs out and stuff like this. So there are even books about how to dance like Jesus. There are lots of opinions about who Jesus is, who Jesus was, uh, what Jesus did. But actually, over this series, we're going to look about what does Jesus say about himself? What does Jesus say about himself? And also, we, as those who are in Christ... Actually, what Jesus says about himself has an impact on us as well, doesn't it? As those who are in Christ. The first statement we're going to look at today, the first statement is in John 8, 58. And this really introduces the whole series because it's, uh, it's the, it underpins everything. It underpins the whole series. It's kind of fundamental to the rest of the series. When we understand what Jesus is saying in these verses... Um, it, it kind of turbocharges the other statements. When Jesus says, I am, dot, 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 it turbocharges those statements. This truth that we're going to look at today is absolutely mind transforming. I'm really excited for you today because having spent the last kind of month or so studying this verse, I tell you, it is mind transforming. It's faith generating. It's life empowering. It kind of stretches your mind, stretches your understanding of God of, and who Jesus is. So I'm really excited for you today. Um, okay. So John 8, 56, the, the context really of this, of this verse is that Jesus is, has been at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's been saying things about himself that have upset people. Well, it's the, the, they've divided people. Some people think, wow, this guy's a prophet. He's from God. Other people think, this guy's crazy. He's nuts. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, even he's from the devil. And Jesus is, has, gets into this debate with the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, basically, I'm the true son. I'm the son of God. I speak truth. I'm here to bring freedom. I'm here to bring life. I'm from above. I know what I'm talking about. I'm here to bring a heavenly reality. And the Pharisees are saying to Jesus, no, um, you know, you are of the devil. You're a Samaritan. You're an idolater, idolater and you are demonized. And Jesus says to them, well, you're opposing the truth. You're trying to kill me. You're from below. He says to the Pharisees something that, you know, might be a little bit offensive. He says, your father is the devil and your father speaks lies. That's his native language. So you're, a li- you're liars, basically. Um, you're slaves as well. You're slaves to sin and um, you're, you're enslaved to death. Um, but if you knew the truth, the truth would set you free. That's what Jesus says to them. And this really upsets them. They say, no, we've never been slaves. We're children of Abraham. We're, the, we're Abraham's descendants. And Jesus challenges them and says, well, if you're the children of Abraham, you do what Abraham did. And what did Abraham do? It says Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed and was obedient. But you, Pharisees, are refusing to believe the truth. You, Pharisees, are refusing to accept the heavenly reality of who I am and what I've come to do. So that's the context of the argument that Jesus is having um, when he says this. So we pick up in verse 56. Jesus says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So Jesus says to them, Um, Abraham saw my day and was glad. 
and they and basically they mock him. They say, you know, they weren't so they weren't so offended that he called them children of the devil. When he said that he that Abraham had seen his day, they mocked him. They said, "What? You're not even 50." Um, but then Jesus says to them, "Before Abraham was, I am." And the the atmosphere completely changes. The, the switch is flicked. They pick up stones. They want to kill him. They are furious. They're so angry. They want to stone him there and then. What is it that Jesus has said in that phrase, before Abraham was, I am? What is it that he said that kind of flicks that switch? What is it that Jesus is claiming? And to find out the answer to that, we have to go back. We have to rewind 1300 years um, back to Exodus, because that verse is found in Exodus chapter 3, um, verse 13. And that's back when, you know, Moses in, is, in the de- is in the desert. Um, so, you know, Moses, he was brought up as a, a, he, was, he was a Hebrew, but he was hidden. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up in the palace. But all this time, he's got this niggling feeling, you know, I'm here in the palace. My people are, are enslaved by the, by the Egyptians. The Egyptians have enslaved the Israelite people. And so his, his answer to that was to try and help them by killing an Egyptian. This upset the Egyptians because he was a murderer and a traitor. And it also upset the, the, the Israelites. You know, who are you to try and help us? Who are you to step in? So, so basically, Moses runs for his life. He then spe- spends 40 years in the desert, 40 years as a shepherd, kind of thinking, I've blown it. You know, I'm, I messed up. That's that. That's over. I'll just enjoy my life in the desert, herding sheep, got a family. That's it now. Um, and then one day he's herding his, his sheep through the desert, and he sees this famous... Um, this famous story, he sees the burning bush. And um, he goes over to have a look, and he has this encounter with God, doesn't he, at the burning bush. And this is what God says to Moses, um, the, this loser, this guy who's kind of given up in the desert, metaphorically, um, as well as literally. This is what God says to Moses from the burning bush. Verse 7, he says, that it says, the Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So remember, we're going back to Jesus in a minute. Yeah, we're going back to Jesus. I've heard their misery. I've heard them cry out. I've seen the, sl- the you know, they're being driven by the slave, the, 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 the misery that's called by the slave, driver, slave drivers, and I've come down to rescue them. So don't forget, we're going back to Jesus in a minute. So verse 10. So now, God says to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the, um, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt? So Moses' question is, OK, God says, go, I'm sending you to, 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 save, um, to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses said, who am I? I've made mistakes. I'm a murderer. I'm a traitor. I'm not qualified you know, my leadership was rejected by the Hebrews because of my inexperience. I've never suffered as a slave. They won't accept me. I can't, they can't relate to me. I'm, I, and he also say, um, says later on that I'm not able to speak. I can't talk. Um, in, in chapter 4, he says to God, I can't do it. I can't speak. I've made mistakes. I'm unqualified. I'm inexperienced. And, I, I, and, and I'm not able to do it. That's, that's, that's Moses' response. And um, it's really interesting here that God ignores all of those insecurities. He ignores all of those problems. And what God says to Moses is this in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. So he says to Moses, forget all of that. Don't worry about your mistakes. Don't forget about your, your, your inexperience, uh, your, your lack of qualifications. I will be with you. 
should be enough, should be all that Moses needs to know. But it's not, because Moses now has a new problem. See, if God is with me, Moses doesn't know which God. He lives in a, a land with lots of gods. He grew up in Egypt where there were lots of gods. So which God is with me? Who is this God that's with me? Can I trust him? Is he powerful enough to deliver the Israelites? Or is this a fool's errand? Is he reliable? Is he good? Where does this God fit in that hierarchy? You know, that hierarchy of all the gods, of all the peoples, you know, the sun God and the moon God and um, the fertility gods and all of these gods. Where does God fit in that hierarchy? How far up the, the chain is he? A bit like picking a football team. You know, when you line everybody up and everyone picks a football team, oh, you're the best, I have you. And then you get the person at the end who's maybe no one wants on their team. I'm not, not speaking from experience, of course. Maybe a little bit. But yeah, it's a bit like that. You know, which God, which God do you think is going to be the best one for you? Um, where does God fit into that? Do the Israelites even remember who their God is after 400 years? Um, Moses said to God, verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? If they say to me, what, who is this God that sent you? What is his name? What... Shall I tell them, who are you? Your name, your name contextualizes you, doesn't it? Your name, it kind of, it kind of, it, it, it kind of contextualizes you, it defines you. Um, it kind of defines something of your identity, you know, your family name, you know, where you've come from. It may, it may even have like a really literal name, like I think John Hill was talking about his name, wasn't he? Hill, that his people lived on a hill. Um, Wicking, apparently, Wicking, uh, so my name's Stephen Kevin Wicking. A good 70s name, Stephen Kevin. And um, Wicking is actually my stepdad's name. And um, uh, it may, apparently it means Viking. So, but it's my stepdad's name, hence why I'm shorter and not, so, not taller. But um, my birth name was Pitt. My, 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 my birth name was Pitt. And so I think my, my dad's family came from the tin mines of Cornwall. Um, kind of, you know, names define us. Nicknames as well, you know. Your nickname might define you. Um, uh, you know, a, a characteristic or, or, you know, something that, that you've done in the past. Or, um, so basically, Moses is saying, well, what is your name? I need you to devi- define yourself. I need to know who you are. I need to, I need to be able to contextualize you. Maybe even I, I need your name so I can at some point conjure you up like a genie later on, you know, like Aladdin's lamp. How do you define yourself, God? Tell me. Tell me your name. Verse 14. So this is our verse. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Wait there a moment. The weight and the power of that. I am who I am. You can't define me. You can't contextualize me. You're not going to try and fit me into your story. I don't fit into your story, Moses. You fit into my story. I am who I am. Just I, the, the, the weight of that, of, the, of, the, of those, of those um, five words. It's like a, there's atomic power in there. Do you feel the atomic power of that statement? You know, um, my granddad always used to say, "Oh, there's more atomic power in your thumb than there is than there is than there was in the bomb." You know that was dropped on Hiroshima. There's like 27 billion. Atoms or something in your thumb. There's more atomic power in your thumb than in an atomic bomb. In this, in this statement here, there's, a, there's atomic, uh, atomic power locked up in those words. Power. 
I am who I am. In other words, if we're trying to, we're trying to break that open, trying to, trying to break that down. In other words, Moses, I'm exactly who I have always been and exactly who I will always be. I am ever existent. I have no beginning and I will never end. I will never die. I will never fade. I'll never burn out like a star. I am completely constant and unchanging and completely trustworthy and faithful to all my promises. I am before everything. I'm the creator. Everything else is just creation. I come after everything. Everything else is finite. It has borders. It has edges. And I don't. I am the only independent being. Everything else depends on me. I made everything, I sustain everything, and I provide for everything I have made. I am bigger than the accumulated mass of this universe. If you could reach the ends of space and time, you would find me because everything lives and moves and has its being within me. That's what Romans tells us. I act according to my own will without constraint. What I say goes and what I want happens. I see the beginning from the end and I'm never surprised. I'm never caught out. I am ever present and I'm always present. I'm never distracted. I never zone out watching the football. I'm ever present and I am always present. I am your ultimate reality. I am your ultimate truth. And I have come down to set your people free. In summary, I am your creator, your sustainer, and your saviour. I am who I am. It's hard to fit the I am infinite God into a 30-minute into a sermon, isn't it? But I am who I am, and the I am is sending you Moses. Do you have any more questions? <laughs> Just let, that, just let that percolate. It's one of the most mind-bending, challenging, humbling thoughts. You know, just meditate on it. The more you understand God, the more you realise you don't understand. The more you encounter the I am, the more you realise he deserves your full attention. He deserves your love. He owns your worship. If you're entangled in sin, a revelation of the I am God is what you need. Because if you're entangled in sin, what the Bible calls worshipping other idols or serving other gods, essentially is what you're doing. A revelation of the I am God causes all of those things to melt away. They just look like tin pot things compared to his glory. God won't be lined up with the other contenders. God is speaking to you at a time you're saying, God's calling me to this, into some act of obedience or some risk. If the, I am, if the I am God is with you, you can go anywhere, you can do anything. He's the God that provides water in the desert. He's the God that provides manna from heaven, food out of nothing. You can go anywhere. He will provide. He will lead you. He will work miracles on your behalf. And if things aren't working out as you expected... A revelation of the I am God is what you need for peace. You know, last week, thank you, Rob, for preaching last week. I was due to preach last week. I had to go down and visit my nephew in hospital, very ill, after suffering with meningitis. meningitis and, um, and last weekend, it looked like um, he may not make it. Um, there was, 
obviously, the, 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 I mean, if, if he did, that he would be severely brain damaged. And I went down to um, visit my family and pray for him. I had a great time to, just praying for him with the rest of the family, singing over him. And if he didn't make it, actually, only a revelation of the I am God can bring you to that place of peace to say, I don't understand. But you see the beginning from the end. You know how it all works out. You know what's best. You are the I am. I'm just created. I'm tiny. I have borders and edges. But you know what you're doing, Lord. And we trust you. Praise God. Thank you for your prayers. Um, Every day, Dexter, my nephew, is seeing improvements. So please keep praying for him. Um, The doctors keep coming. Yeah. The doctors keep coming and trying to um, uh, dampen the hopes of, you know, like try and bring some reality to my brother and his wife and say, look, you know, don't, don't get hopes up. He's, you know, the scans are showing severe brain damage. He's starved of oxygen. And then he'll, um, he'll move. He opened his eyes. He seems to be responding to sound. Um, he even was laughing um, yesterday. So little things every day. Keep praying for him. Uh, So John Piper says this, um, nothing is more basic, nothing is more, funda- uh, not, uh, nothing is more ultimate than the fact that God is. Nothing is more foundational to this church than God is. Nothing is more foundational to your life or your marriage or your job or your health or your mind or your future um, than God is. Nothing more foundational to the world or to the solar system or to the Milky Way or the universe than that God is. And nothing is more foundational to the Bible and the self-revelation of God and the glory of the gospel um, of Jesus than God is. That's John Piper. Let's just pray. Could you just close our eyes? Just hold out your hands for a moment. Lord, Lord, we just need a a greater revelation of you, a greater revelation of, of the truth of our I am God. Why don't you just come? Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, come. Just open our eyes a little bit more. Open our hearts a little bit more. Lift up our heads. Cause us to see the reality, the truth of our I am God, I pray. Look at the person next to you. Have a look. Have a good look. You know, God is, more clo- is closer and more real than that person next to you. He is the ultimate reality, the ultimate truth. And just a quick aside, so where it says, um, so a bit la- so that later on, God does give a name to Moses. He does say, actually, when you go, tell them that the Lord, is, the, Lord the God of your, of your forefathers has sent you. And if you've got a Bible, who's got a Bible? Anyone? Simon has got his hand up. What, um, the, what does it say for Lord? Is it all in capitals? Yeah, where you see the, the name of the Lord all in capitals, that's a translation of the word Yahweh. You know the, the word Yahweh? So we sang today, didn't we? Hallelujah. That's a, you know, let's praise Yahweh, basically, is what hallelujah means. Yahweh. And Yahweh is basically the, um, it's, it's a deriv- derivative of this name, I am. It means I am. And so God gives Moses the name I am as a reminder, and the name Yahweh as a reminder Actually, I am. So whenever you see the Lord in your Bible, capital letters, that actually is Yahweh. I am. You can be, remember, you can be reminded that um, Yahweh, the I am, is speaking. Right, okay. So Moses has had this encounter with God, and God has said, I am that I am. Now we're going to fast forward again. 
Ready? Back to Jesus. Back to Jesus and the Pharisees. 1300 years later. So here are the Pharisees confronted by this man who said, before Abraham even existed, I am. Before Abraham was even conceived or thought of, I am. I've always been the ever existent creator, sustainer and the saviour in human form. In other words, I am the unapproachable God and I'm now approachable. I am the invisible God now made visible. I am the unchanging one. Although my beard is growing and I'm aging, I'm in a mortal body. And I'm the creator and I'm the sustainer, although I need to eat and drink and sleep. He's confronting them. And actually, Paul sums it up nicely in in Colossians 1 when he says, uh, verse 15, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, in whom all the fullness of God dwells, the I am fullness of God dwelling in human form, the image of the invisible God. Not because he has brown eyes, brown hair, or no, because he is compassionate, loving, because on the cross, as they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. He's the creator through whom all things were created. The sustainer through whom all things hold together. And the saviour who came to reconcile man and God through um, his blood shed on the cross. That's Jesus, our I am God. Jesus who heard the cries, who saw the misery of a people enslaved to sin, who were oppressed by darkness. He came down to rescue us from our self-destruction, our addiction, our fear, our terror. He took our punishment on the cross, the punishment we could not bear for our own sin. He bore it on the cross. The perfect one became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And not only did he die on the cross, but he made a highway through his resurrection, a way that we can enter, we can follow him into the very presence of the Father. Jesus is alive and whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Pharisees want to kill him for it. They want to kill the I Am. The one who commissioned was and was worshipped by Abraham and Moses, who's claiming their loyalty, who's claiming their obedience, who's claiming their worship. They want to kill him for it. They hate him for it, for this truth. And that is, that, that, they, those are the only two responses, really, that are appropriate in this situation. When you're confronted with Jesus, and he reveals himself, and he says, I am, I am, I'm God, I'm ever-existent, I'm your creator, your sustainer, and your saviour. There are only two responses. You can't be indifferent. Either you need to be incredibly offended and outraged, or you need to get down on your knees and you need to worship him. One or the other. 
Please don't be indifferent to Jesus. You know, God says, hot or cold, please. I don't like lukewarm. Be outraged by all means. But even better, see him. Get down on your knees and worship him. He is the king of kings. He's victorious. And um, in this story, obviously, Jesus' time hadn't come. He slips away. He leaves the Pharisees seething with rage. Um, but, you know, it wasn't his time, but his time was going to come, That his time where he would hand himself over. You know, he says in John 10, doesn't he? No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll pick it up again when I'm ready. Jesus laid his life down for us. He wasn't taken from him. Death couldn't hold him. He rose victorious. The victory is won. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated. And yet we look out and we know that his, his kingdom hasn't fully come yet. There, is, there are still battles to be won, aren't there, in this world. His victory still has to be worked out. His kingdom still has to be advanced. Jesus promised that it would, um, that, that his kingdom would go from, from, from that point in Jerusalem out to Judea, Samaria, their neighbours, the, ne- the country next door. They're kind of France, if France wins the World Cup. Um, out to the ends of the earth. That his kingdom would go to the ends of the earth. And we're kind of proof of that, aren't we, here this morning. But there are battles to be won. So Jesus, after his victory, after his resurrection, Jesus takes his disciples, doesn't he? Just before he ascends to heaven, Jesus takes his disciples up a hill. And um, in Matthew 8, and he, um, he basically... He kind of does a handover to them. I don't know if you've ever worked in a job where there's like a handover. You've got a list of jo- things that didn't get done in the last shift. And these things still need to do. Um, Jesus has like a handover to the, his disciples. He says, I'm going back to the Father. Um, but I've got something to hand over to you. I've got a job for you, disciples, and for, and for all of God's people to come. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 8, verse 18. Jesus came to them and said... All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Familiar with that, often is called the Great Commission, that Jesus hands over the mission to take his kingdom out to the ends of the earth. And I was just struck, actually, as I was reading the account of Moses and the burning bush where God says, go, I'm going to set my people free from slavery. Go and I am with you. I was just as I read that, I was like, oh, I've heard that before somewhere. And I was just reminded of the Great Commission. Jesus came to him and said, all all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go, you go, you take my kingdom, my kingdom of freedom. You take it out. You go, bring freedom for the captives. Set them free in my name from, their, from, from sin and from darkness. Bring them out of the kingdom of darkness. Bring them into the kingdom of light. Let them know the truth and let the truth set them free. Go, disciples. Teach them to obey, obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you. The I am has sent you. The I am is sending you. This is like 
um, the disciples' burning bush moment, isn't it? It's like their burning bush moment, where they're, they're encountering, encounter, encountering the, the risen Christ. Our God is a consuming fire. And he's saying, right, now you go. Go bring freedom. And by the way, I am with you, always, to the very end of the age. And I just felt for us today, at the start of this series, that it was almost like a burning bush moment for us. As we're here today, as we encounter the living, risen, I am Jesus, he's saying to us, go. Go. Go to your neighbour. Go to your colleague. Go to that um, homeless guy across the street. Go to those people that you've, in the cafe that you've never, ever met before. Go. Well, who shall I say has sent me, Lord? Who, what's your name? Who shall I say has sent me? I am. I am is with you. The I am has sent you. I am with you, even until the end of the age, Jesus says. But Lord, they won't, they won't listen to me. You're right, they won't. But I am is with you. Lord, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. But I am is with you. You can go anywhere and do anything when the God who provides water in the desert and food in the desert is with you. You know, what can stop us? Because he is unstoppable. And what he wants, he gets. What he says happens. And he lives in us by by his Holy Spirit. Can we just stand... Maybe for you, maybe there are things that you feel God is calling you to, putting on your heart, and you think, I can't do it. Um, why don't you just hold out your hands? Just for us, it is a burning bush moment. I just want to pray for us. Maybe, maybe you know, God is our ultimate reality. He is our ultimate truth. And that's why... That's why he's faithful, faithful to his promises. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you hear him speak, it's true and you know it's true. And faith rises, you know, yeah, it's going to be okay. I can do this. Holy Spirit, come. If you, if you, if if that's you, just hold out your hands. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your, your death on the cross. Thank you that you died, Lord. You took our punishment. You took what we deserved on the cross. Lord, that you took our sin, that we are forgiven, that we are clean, that we are, we are the righteousness of God as a result. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you that death couldn't hold you down. Thank you that you took your life up again. No one took your life from you. You took it up again. That you, that you rose again. That you're seated at the right hand of the Father. That you are I am. That you are King of kings, Lord of lords. That everything that exists is just created and depends on you. You hold it all together. And you are reconciling all things to your Father. You're bringing all things back into union with your Father. By your um, blood shed on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that you have commissioned us, Lord God, to take your kingdom. 
Lord, to take your freedom, Lord, out. Lord God, into every highway and byway. Lord, to every nook and cranny, Lord, of this society, Lord, to the nations of this world, Lord. Thank you for those photos from Romania. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in all these nations, Lord. I just pray now, Lord, that we would just hear you speaking, Lord. Lord, let, Lord, it's enough, Lord, Lord, let, let, let people not hear my voice, Lord, but let people hear your voice, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I am who I am is with you. I am is sending you. Lord, we just receive that commission. We receive that commission. Continue, Lord, just to stretch our minds. Continue, Holy Spirit, just to bring revelation of the reality of the I am God that we see in Jesus, I pray. Lord, as we go through this series, Lord, bring revelation, Lord God, of the I am Jesus Stretch our minds, Lord God, turbocharge our lives, I pray. With that truth, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.